everybody, how we doing? Hey, last Sunday of 2019. Let's give it all we got, here we go. I was buried beneath my shame. Who can carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Yep. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried. Too high, it was my tune till I met you. Here we go. You called my name, and I ran out of the darkness into. do 
matter what we're facing, we come into this place, we open our hearts to you. And as we sing this song, God, we declare what we know about you, Father. We know who you are. We know what you've told us, what you've promised us. And we're gonna declare this because he's here. So sing this with us, sing, you are here. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you. I worship you. We'll sing that. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Sing that again. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you. Sing this, sing you are. You are way maker, miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you, I worship you. Come on, let's lift it up. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you, I worship you. And you are here, you are here, turning lives around. I worship you. Sing that again. You are way maker, 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Let's really join together here to sing, even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. He never stops never working, stop amen, working. come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working.
Come on with hands lifted, just begin to declare his name, the goodness of who he is. place. Can you say amen? I want to invite you to help me this morning. Uh, Scott, would you come and stand right here, if you will? Just bring some lights up on the steps. And Nicole, if you will make your way to the platform as well. I saw her just a moment ago. There she is. As you know, Scott is our campus administrator for the Rose District. His wife, Nicole, She's the pastor of all of our group life. And a week from today, 
Scott will be deployed. And it's a six month deployment, but when you add the other responsibilities, it'll be even longer. And so I want us to pray for them. Would you extend your hand toward them? Lord Jesus, we pray your blessings and your protection and your provision. Lord, for a family to serve all of us like this is indeed something that the least we can do is pray every day, be mindful that this kind of sacrifice is being made and, and to support them. So God, keep your hand on Scott. Keep your hand on Nicole, on Ezra. Lord, just let your abiding presence be the peace and the strength they need moment by moment and day by day. We honor them and we thank you, God, for providing for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. just show your love. Love you guys. Hey, greet each other before you're seated. Welcome one another to church today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Crystal Lee. I'm the early childhood pastor here at the assembly, and I'd like to welcome you to church today. What an incredible sense of the presence of God. It's so good to be together on this last Sunday of 2019. Right now, the ushers are passing a black book. If you would, please sign in there if you regularly attend here with us. But if this is your first time, we'd like to say a special thank you and welcome. Um, we know that you could be in a lot of places today, so the fact that you chose to be with us is an honor. Uh, there is a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would just take a moment and fill that out, um, and then hang on to that. And at either info booth in either one of the lobbies, you can turn that in after service. We have a special gift for you today. Well, here at the assembly, um, the way that we get assimilated, involved, and really uh, bought into the vision is through what we call growth track. And the best thing about growth track is when 2020 starts, you can start too. So that's next Sunday after service. Make sure that you get involved. We are so excited, you guys, about the 2020 experience. So excited, so ready for what God is going to do in this new year. You've heard Pastor talk about it, and myself along with the staff are just so excited about what God is preparing our hearts for. We know that we're making room for revival. We know that we're taking a look at our own hearts and lives and getting involved in a group where we can just encourage one another and prepare ourselves for what God has. So get involved with that. It's gonna be on Sunday mornings. I wanna give you a couple of details to clarify how that's gonna look for Saturday night at our Rose District campus. Um, if you attend Rose District on a regular basis, as soon as service is over, you can get involved in those groups right after service. On Sunday mornings, you can get involved in a 2020 group in the service time opposite that you attend. So if you attend the nine o'clock service, you can get involved in a 2020 group during the 1045 service. If you attend the 1045 service, come a little early. It will be worth it. It's the new year. Let's set up some new expectations for ourselves and dig into the word and dig into community. So you can text uh, 2020, it's up there on the screen, 2020 EXP to 313131 to let us know you're coming so we can make sure we have plenty of room available and ready to dive into group life together this year. Well, as the ushers come forward, 
Um, this is the final service of the year. Uh, this is a generous church. We are so grateful that all that God is doing here um, is because of generous people such as yourselves. And so as we finish out the year, we want to finish strong. We want to finish um, giving to the Lord and honoring Him with what we have. So as you prepare that, let's pray over that today, and we will give with grateful hearts. God, we just thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your presence that is so real in this place today. God, I thank you for this incredible year, the best year yet, truly, that we have had. Lord, and I thank you, God, that as we finish out strong today, God, that your presence is with us and that you're propelling us forward into an incredible 2020. God, I pray that you will bless each and every gift and giver today. Lord, let it be put to building your kingdom here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for adjusting your schedule. We are celebrating three services, two campuses in one experience today. And on the worship team, we had representation from, all, from both campuses and from all three services. And it was so awesome. Would you show your love to this team? Thank you. I know this is a weekend where many are traveling and things like that are going on, but it's just good on occasion to come together and feel more of the, the fuller scope of what God is doing. Many of you, this is your campus. Many of you, the Rose District is your campus. And so the context is there. But this allows us just to come together and realize we are one church, amen? We're serving one amazing God, and we're just letting the light shine, creating more seats for people to come and experience God as we meet together and be part of our vision. Because our vision is to serve neighbors and nations. And we had a ceremony last night that I don't know that I'll ever forget it because in my 30 years of ministry, I've never been a part of something like what we have. And so it was the Shield 616 ceremony and so this place, and you can see that's the armor that was awaiting 52 officers that assembled into this place. And it was a great declaration of the support of our church. It was a great representation of the gospel to these officers. And now you see every officer as they were brought up to stand behind the armor provided to them. And this is the, the officers that get called into civil unrest. So like any very major situation, these are the people that are called first. And so they're the ones that need it most. Mike and Pat Case are right back here. Would you stand for a moment? 
This is Mike and Pat. They helped make this happen, and it wouldn't have happened without them. Thank you for caring about our community. They caught the vision for this, and, and that's how the provision was there to make it happen because it, it's a very expensive endeavor to give this the best equipment. But as the leader said last night, our officers deserve the best. The guy that led it was in the church shooting in Colorado Springs and then at the Planned Parenthood shooting. And he realized as officers, they didn't have the armor they needed. And he caught a vision to, to make sure that that changes. And so he spent years now making this happen, but it can't happen without the partnership of the church. So I wanna go back to the picture of all the prayer partners. And so he made this statement that this prayer effort is providing protection for people who protect us. And I just wanna declare it as, as a citizen of this county, as a, a follower of Jesus, I am grateful for these officers. And I'm grateful that we were able to do what we did last night. It was, it, it was right and it exceeded expectations. And so I'm just thankful to see, because God ordained this, that we would be ending our year. See, when you have a compelling vision, you get the attention of God. You really do. And God finds a place that he can trust. And when he finds a place that he can trust to not just be internal in focus, but be external in vision, generosity, compassion, concern, care, then we're not just taking up space on a corner. We are truly infiltrating our community with support, with love, with care, and it makes a difference. So in the next couple of weeks, as we launch the 2020 experience, this journey will launch with a recap. And you're gonna see it on the second weekend of January. This recap that's gonna fill your heart, the magnitude of what you've accomplished and what we have called the best year yet. Can we praise God for 2019? Amen. So this is the last service of the year, the last service of the decade. I brought my Bible. We're starting from Genesis. Come on. I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's a 10-year sermon. So if I get a tithe on the 10 years to, for sermon length. Thank you. I have one person. One, just one out of all these people. One per. But y'all are married, so I'll consider it two. Okay. But he was paid to do that. Like, so I don't know. As I start this experience, something the Lord put on my heart, I'll just pass it on to you. If it, if it resonates, go for it. But uh, I went and bought a new Bible, and I'm taking this into the 2020 journey. And I'm taking it into this year because I do believe, as Pastor Crystal said, revival it, in some measure, it's happening. I'm not a pastor that says, oh, revival is coming. I think revival's here. But I think as we, we really make our focus precise 
as we're intentional with our heart and our passion, it will increase like a rising wave. And there is a wave coming, church. And so I wanted a Bible that would be filled with the things God would inspire to my heart over this year. And it's just a fresh approach to what God is doing. And I wanted to also get it because by this time next year, there is no way I could read the words that are on this page. It's by faith right now. So are you ready for the word? I love you. I just say thank you for your heart for 2019. And we're on the verge of something. And I pray that you would take just that short time that, that it requires to get your name on that list to say, I'm, I'm going to take this journey because I have a, a spiritual expectation of what God's about to do. And so if you come all the time to our group life, you say, well, I don't need to sign. Well, it would still help us if you would. And we could celebrate how as a church family, all of us, are saying yes to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it creates energy and momentum. And, and it says, hey, I'm, I'm all in. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and it and slows us down I want, to, I want to add that a hindrance there it doesn't stop you it just slows you down so it says throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us everybody say us let us run with perseverance the race we're in a race. So that's one of the focuses of these two verses is that this journey, we really should call it the 2020 race. We call it a journey because it's a process. And God's going to work in process. But scripturally, the Christian journey is called time and time again in scripture a race. And that's a meaningful intentional word that the Holy Spirit has before us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Not just any race, not running in just any lane, but the one that's marked out for us. I'm thankful for every church in this community. And I pray that every church in this community will be on mission but I'm responsible for this church and making sure that we are running our race, the race that's been marked out. God had marked that race out years ago and just take this year right up to last night as an example, our race led us right into an experience of connecting with all of these officers and their families. Let us run the race that's marked out for us. Here it is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Be thou my vision. Fixing. That word 
in Greek gives the picture of turn away from anything else. No distraction. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And we could just stop right there and pray into all of that. I'll take just a few moments and elaborate all that is loaded in just these two verses. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We get fixed on so many things. This is the time to ask the question, where is our focus? This is the time to ask, has your vision of Jesus been blurred? Because if that has happened, this is the time to confront that in prayer, ask for God's help to clear it up. Some years ago, we sent out the, the Hubble Space Telescope. The pictures that we would take from Earth, as they were taken of outer space, they would shoot through our atmosphere, and the pictures were not uh, as accurate as if we could get a telescope outside of our atmosphere. So we sent up the, the Hubble telescope, and when we started getting pictures back, they were blurred. And it wasn't a galaxy problem. It was a lens. It was a focus problem in the telescope. So they designed a device, sent it up, figured it out, fixed the focus of the telescope, and it dramatically changed the pictures we were getting. And the, the lens, the focus was off less than the width of a piece of paper. They called it just 1 50th off. And so even that was creating an unnecessary blur. So I'm saying, if you've lost focus, or if the focus just needs to be adjusted the least bit, it will be worth it because it's everything to our journey as believers if our vision of Jesus is clear. Be thou my vision. This journey is going to take us on that pursuit of seeing him clearly. As a result, be changed completely. Seeing is not just believing. Seeing is becoming. Be thou my vision. As we fix our eyes, the writer of Hebrews says, you'll see him as a pioneer and a perfecter. So he created us. We wouldn't be here if he didn't. Let that resonate with your heart today. The only reason I'm here, the only reason you're here, the only reason air is coursing through our lungs is because he has sovereignly determined that that would happen. That's the only reason. It happens through the ways that it happens, but the cause, you are the result, not an accident of not happenstance, but the divine plan of God. As a result, you were created. Then the creator acted in such a way as to be our savior, the pioneer of our faith. We're going to look back at chapter 11 later in this message. 
Because this chapter starts with the word therefore. And so therefore always takes you back because what you're about to read in part is being set up by what you've just read. But here's the thing. As you get into the great hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, don't forget, they're there for encouragement. And I'm going to show you how. But Moses didn't die for me. Abraham didn't pioneer my faith. David didn't pioneer my faith. There was only one who was found worthy to take our place. And he was found worthy because of his commitment to the mission to save the world. I'm talking about Jesus who would love me while I was a sinner. So he didn't go because of my actions. He went because of love. He didn't make a sacrifice of his life because I was good. He sacrificed because I wasn't good. He didn't sacrifice his life because I was a bad person. No, I was dead in my sin. But he became the pioneer, the author of my faith and your faith. He's our savior, redeemer, forgiver. He raised us up, put the spiritual life in our soul and it's life to the full. Everybody, let's praise him today that he's the pioneer of our faith. He deserves all the glory, all of it. He was the word in the beginning. That's what we've just sung. Second verse says, our sin was great, but his love was greater because he's the pioneer. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. There is no other name. There is no comparison. I feel the preach today. His glory is higher than the heavens. There is no one like him. See, therefore, look at all these great people in Hebrews 11. But there's no one like Jesus. This is not the church of Moses. This is not the church of Abraham. This is not the church of David. There is a head of this church. There is a senior pastor. It's not me. It's Jesus. I'm on staff. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We praise you today, Lord. He's the perfecter. The fact that he's the perfecter says that we're not perfect or else he wouldn't need to be a perfecter. And if he's the perfecter and I'm not perfect, then I don't have to pretend that I am. I don't approach life flippantly. I don't use grace as a license to sin. But I have a perfecter. One that never gives up on me, and he could have. Who has not dealt with me, David wrote, according to my sin. Whew. Just think about your story. And if he had dealt with you according to your sin, where would you be today? But he didn't. Because of his great love, he keeps perfecting. He stays faithful. He stays merciful. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God. Give him a praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
You know that Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and you know that Paul, before salvation, was very, very sinful. We say very sinful as if maybe worse than others. In God's eyes, no, but, but we're told that he was terrorizing Christians. He was exploiting Christians. He was having Christians tortured and put to death because they had faith in Christ. And it blows my mind to read in Galatians, and I'll quote it for you, that it pleased God to present himself to Paul. Now, before he was saved, his name was Saul. And it pleased God to present himself. In my human nature, I would think I would never present myself to someone who's been so antagonistic, so hateful, who has worked night and day against me and my cause. And yet, it pleased God to present himself to Saul. And it pleased God to present himself to you and to me. I couldn't get to him. I couldn't present myself to him because I was dead in my sin. He presented himself to me and he made me alive by grace. I'm saved. And then he perfects. Don't hear this as if wrath is non-existent because anytime where love is high, wrath will be present. I was there at the finalization as Scott and Nicole adopted Ezra. And let me just borrow their story as an example. They love Ezra. Think of your children. Kelly and I got to meet uh, our newest great twins. My, my nephew, he and his wife had twins. Would that make them my great? I don't even know. I just know I got to hold them for the first time last Sunday night. Little boy and a little girl. And I looked at Justin, my nephew, and I'm telling you it would be the same of Scott and Nicole or Justin and his wife Emily. The love they have, if there was any threat to their children, you would see wrath. Just like somebody said, mm-hmm. That's the, and you mean that's because where love is so high, wrath is present. The love of God being so high that he would give his life for you does not mean wrath isn't present. So we take sin seriously and we yield ourselves to the perfecter. That's why we're taking a journey. Because we're yielded to the one who doesn't want to leave us as we are. How many of you have room to grow? I do. So, we are taught that this is a race. And a race is made for running. Everybody say run. The temptation, if you've served Jesus, how many of you have been a Christian, say, more than 10 years? Look at the hands. That's awesome. But here is the challenge for you and for me. 
The longer we're a Christian, the more we are tempted to coast rather than run. The longer a church exists, the more a church is confronted with the temptation to throttle back, to do less, to turn inward and to coast. And the work of the enemy in culture makes coasting feel normal. And we even lose the conviction that this is a race that we are called to run. And we become comfortable in a casual coasting Christianity. The devil's not coasting. The devil is not easing into his attacks. He's aggressive. So a coasting church with coasting ministry and coasting worship with a coasting pastor preaching coasting sermons will not push back the gates of hell. But a church that will keep running the race, even the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're not going to coast. We're not going to walk. We will run this race until Jesus comes. We run this race, and so if we're going to run, now, verse 1 said, deal with anything that could slow you down. Deal with anything that could stop you. Take sin seriously. Deal with it. And here's what I want to say. Thank you so much. Bless you. Nothing like a dream teamer. Show some love. Thank you. I may use the whole box. What he meant was you preach till the Kleenex is gone. My interpretation. Message paraphrase. Ronicles chapter one. <laughs> so, okay. We're back. You deal with anything that could slow you down. Sometimes we, we have the thought, and let me, let me talk to young people. I'm not sure it changes the older you get, but I know this. As a young person, and you start experiencing temptations at new stages in your life, and, and you literally burn with temptation, you will find yourself asking, is this a sin? If I go this far, is it okay? How far can I go and it's still Okay. But that's the wrong question. The question we should be asking is, will this stop me from running? There's the question. Will this slow me down? Will this put a lid on my leadership? Will this suppress my influence? Will this stop me from running? And when you pray like that, 
when you think like that, you're taking sin as seriously as God does. Because where love is high, wrath is still present. So look at this. Look at the sin as fire. Look at the hindrance as fuel. I want to deal not only with the fire, but anything that's fueling the fire. And say, if I keep putting this into my life, and it builds the fire of sin, it's going to stop me from running. So I'm not only going to put the fire out, I'm going to quit fueling what's building the fire. And if, if we'll do that, we'll honor God, we'll be blessed of God, we'll be empowered of God, we'll make a difference for God, and it will be worth it. The devil hates you. The devil has nothing good for you. He wants to smear you, destroy you, rob your destiny. God wants you to win. So let's run. Get rid of anything that's slowing you down. Then it says to run with perseverance. Let's come back there. But for a moment, this part that says run the race marked out for you. Mom and dad, you love your kids. They're the next generation. And we have to spend time now talking about comparison more than ever because it would be on a short list of one to three things that are most challenging the next generation. Nothing will kill a destiny like comparison because you don't run the race marked out for you. You're spending your time comparing. But you're comparing with someone who was not given your race. They have their lane. You stay in your lane. You will put out a lot of emotional, mental, even physical energy in comparing. You know, I need to go to the gym more, but when I go, I get on an elliptical and you run for 30 minutes, okay, 15. All right, <laughs> got convicted right there, like. <laughs> okay, seven. <laughs> Made me thirsty. <laughs> and after you've been on that elliptical for 30 minutes, You've, you've put out some energy, but you haven't gone anywhere. That's comparison. You put the energy in. You're expending emotion, and yet when it's all over, you're still where you were. Run your race. And anybody that tries to run in their lane while looking at someone else is going to crash. Run your race. Be set free to be who God made you to be. Say, how do you really do that, Pastor? Because, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to not wish you had the talent of someone else, or in my case, the height of someone else. Be very quiet right there. Be very quiet. You'll hurt the security that I have. So someone came up to me that long ago. They were up here. They, they said, man, you look taller from back there. I was like, then stay back there. We talk from here. (laughs) 
I've shared this along the way, but when I was in college, burning in my heart to be a, a preacher of the gospel, I attended a Bible college, and we would have chapel, and some of the best preachers in the world would come and do chapel. And I knew I was in this race to be a preacher, but I got caught in comparison. I said, I can't do that. That's what I want to do, but I can't do that. I don't have enough charisma. I'm not funny. I'm not smart enough. I, I, I don't have any pastors in my, my history. And, and I went through a season of comparison. And just like on the treadmill, I just made no progress. Part of this journey in seeing Jesus off of those around you Jesus, be thou my vision. And he will build that God confidence that releases you to be who God has created you to be. Just imagine if every one of us knew our lane, knew our race, and our only focus was Jesus and running the race marked out for us. Let's do it, church. Let's do it. And it says, so run with perseverance. Run with endurance. Some of you have been running the Christian race a long time. And it's tough. Run with endurance. Run with endurance when you mess it up, how? Go back to chapter 11. Therefore, since we're surrounded by all of these witnesses, who are we talking about? It's David and Samson. It's like if you're running and you fall down in sin and because of temptation. Well, take a moment and let the Holy Spirit turn your eyes to heaven's arena. And David will stand up and say, get up. Keep running. I sinned too. I committed adultery. Instigated the murder of the woman's husband that I committed adultery with. And here I am. Because there's a perfecter. And he didn't give up on me. And I surrendered my heart and I repented. And David ends up in the hall of fame. And so David will tell you, get up. You can do it. Keep on running. Failure is not falling down. Failure is staying down. Get up. Get back up. Today, you get back up and keep running. Perseverance because life gets hard. A friend of mine, Pastor Matthew Barnett, two years ago, he ran the World Marathon. It's where you run seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents. You can Google it. You can check it out. It's inhuman. <laughs> Remember, seven minutes. Can I get a witness? <laughs> this guy does seven marathons in seven days, seven different continents. So I kept up with him. And after the third marathon, he injured his knee. He thought he was going to have to quit. He said, no way am I going to quit. 
He said, Ron, the first marathon, I was focused on the finish line. He said, the second marathon, I was focused on the midpoint. Then I focused on the finish line once I'd made it halfway. By the third marathon, I was thinking about the next mile. He said, when I got injured, he said, I was dragging my leg because he messed up his knee. And he ran an entire marathon dragging his leg. And in the country where he was, on the path, he said there were light poles every six feet. And he said, I had to adjust my focus from the finish line to the midpoint to the next mile to the next light post. He said, if I can just get there. Now, if I can just get to that one. He said, that's how I got through that marathon. Then we flew to another country. And he said, I, I was going to turn it in and say, I, I just can't do it. He said, I don't even know, but he watched my story on social media. He shows up at the starting. He said, I'm going to run with you. He said, I didn't even know it. And he said, at first, I'm like, if it's not enough that my whole body is telling me stop and this leg is hurting so bad. And he said, at first, I felt like, am I going to be obligated? And he says, as they started running, he said, I realized this guy knew what he was doing. He was helping me stay focused by the questions he would ask. He would talk just enough to keep me encouraged, but not so much that it was a distraction. Along the way, he said, I run these marathons. I've had to run some injured. And he said, there came a point where the only reason I was still running is because he was right there going, keep running. One more step. He said, we're halfway. He said, when we got to the five-mile mark left to go, he's like, five more miles. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your church. And he said, after the race, he hugged me. He said, I'm so proud of you. He said, the last mile was the most pain I've ever felt in my life. And he was there. Just keep running. When Matthew told me that story, I'm like, that's it. That's Hebrews 11. When everything in you hurts because of a tough circumstance you're going through, Abraham will stand up. Samson will stand up. Ruth will stand up. David will stand up. Moses will stand up. His parents that are listed in Hebrews, they'll stand up and say, just keep running. Some days it's one foot in front of the other. Some days it's like you start with the second wind and you're thinking about the finish line. Let me testify for a moment. There have been times that I could live 12 months out envisioning where God would take us as a church. There have been times where I could think about five years, but there have been times where life was so tough. I had no margin to think about six months down the road and a year down the road. I was trying to get through the day. I'm grateful that I'm here thinking all the way 
to when the trumpet sounds. But there are times where my vision has been blurred by the circumstances of life. And the way I persevered was the voice of the saints in my heart. Could be somebody coming up after service and I'm praying for you. Keep it up. It could be a note I read. It could be just thinking about these people in Hebrews 11. But how many of you would join me in praising God for those people who came alongside of you? A Barnabas who said, I believe in you. You can do this. I know you may even lack the faith to believe that God's going to bring you through. I have the faith. Just keep running. You're not going to stop. I'll pull you if I have to. I will push you if I have to. Hear this. I will pick you up and carry you if I have to. Just keep running. Hallelujah. Keep running, church. Keep running. I want to ask the worship team to come back. All of this race, see, as I talk, you think the focus of Hebrews 1 and 2 is the race. Well, it's the challenge, but it's not the focus. The challenge is run the race. How? How? By fixing your focus on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter. You know what you learn when you get into hardship and you look back at Hebrews 11? It's really not about David and all those people, which I've referenced. They are encouragement. But what you really see is it transitions from those who were shutting the mouths of lions, putting armies to flight. You're like, sign me up. Because it just seems like one victory after the other. But then you make a transition, and it's, it's just a very abrupt transition. And others were fed to the lions. They never saw the promise. They were sewn into, made into human torches. Like, and what you read and learn of Hebrews 11, that success... Success is not about victories I've won, but faithfulness that I've expressed. Success is not in the flash. Success is in faithfulness. What you read and learn from Hebrews 11 is that God is God, whether you're shutting the mouth of a lion or being devoured by the lion. And see, a lot of people in this culture, they're like, uh, don't talk like that. that. That's a negative confession. No, it's just in the Bible. And, and I'm all about the power of the words we say. And I don't go around confessing negativity. That's, but I'm just going to tell you, as you know, I don't have to tell you. Hardship comes. But when a culture has, has created such a convenience, what will be tempted to do is change our theology of God based on our circumstance. And if I'm, if I'm winning, God is good, God is great, and God's on the throne. But when my heart is broken into a million pieces, when I feel like there's no way that life could be put back together, and I've, I've stood here and preached to you through the tears of uncertainty, 
I've come out here and said, God, you've got to give me the faith to believe in what I'm saying because my circumstances are screaming negative thoughts to me. And what you learn about Hebrews 11 is that God is God no matter what. And those people in Hebrews 11 are people that just trusted God, whether they were in the valley or on the mountain. They trusted God, whether they were slaying giants or being overwhelmed by the enemies that were rising up against them. What you learn is about a God who is God no matter what. And you gotta get that if you're gonna persevere. My circumstances don't change who God is. God is God. God is good. He has passed through the heavenlies and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is on the throne as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And nothing will change that. So let's just keep running. Let's keep running. Let's keep running. Give Him praise today. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Gonna keep running, gonna keep praying, gonna keep worshiping, gonna keep believing, gonna keep preaching, gonna keep working until the trumpet sounds. Hallelujah. So, there's a, a very strategic way I felt in my heart to close this service. This entire journey is gonna be Revelation 1, John's vision of Jesus. Domitian was the emperor that exiled John to Patmos. Domitian was the emperor who was the cruelest, most persecuting emperor that Rome had ever had. He was crushing Christians. So John gets the word from the mainland. He writes and he says to his people, the churches, he goes, in the spirit on the Lord's day. I saw it. I saw a throne. And they would understand that language because Domitian had a throne. He demanded everyone to worship him. And if you didn't, you were tortured. John said, I saw this throne. And there seemed to be this confusion about who would sit on it. And it's like someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, and dry your tears. And entered one who was like a lion and a lamb. And he was worthy to open the scroll. And he took his seat on the throne. And John was writing back saying, Church, I've seen the throne. And Domitian is not on it. And he said, but let me tell you about the one who's on it. His thigh is dipped in blood, and he has a robe, and on that sash says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's John's way of saying, so just keep running. So on the last service of the year, the last service of the decade, I thought we should join in. You know, worship never starts at 9 and 10.45 and 6 on Saturday night. Worship goes 
we just join in a worship service that's already going. And I'm telling you, read Revelation 5. It's cooking. And we join elders and angels. Tens times tens of thousands that are giving praise to the Lamb who's worthy. So I'm going to lead you in a declaration today. You ready? Come on up. We are about to give God the highest praise. And we're going to conclude with a heartfelt, unbridled, passionate praise to God. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And I want you to put your heart into it. Has God been faithful? Has God been good to you? I'm not saying there hadn't been hard times, but He's still God and you're still here. I said, He's still God and you're still here. The devil is defeated. Yes, he attacks us, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Come on, testify. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Many are they that rise up against me, but you, Lord, are the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you, you are with me, so I will fear no evil. How many of you know that God is faithful? Come on, give him a wave offering today. He's faithful. Give him a clap offering today. He's good. So repeat after me. Unto the Lamb who sits on the throne be glory and honor and power and might and dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen. Give him praise. The veil torn before you, you silence the bows of sin and pain. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again.
Come on and clap your hands like the winner, the redeemed, the overcomer. You are running the race. So I, I want to leave you with that spirit of worship and with the invitation. If ever we've been on the verge of a mighty work of the Holy Spirit, it's now. The 2020 experience is all about Jesus being our vision. I believe in two weeks, January 10 and 11, is that right or is it 11 and 12? 11 and 12. January 11 to 12, Saturday night at the Rose District, 6 o'clock here, 9 and 1045. I believe it's going to be the greatest Sunday we've ever had, the greatest Saturday we've ever had. Would you invite people? Could we become evangelistic? Let's bring people because we're believing for God to break in and break through because as we take the journey, he's put a promise. We're going to be in Revelation 1 where John in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, he saw Jesus. And it's going to be all about Jesus. And so, Look at the screen with me. Would you put it up? That's what you do. The greatest gift you could give to me as your pastor is to take this journey. But we need to know you're in. That's how you make your registration. So if you come to the 9 o'clock service right after church, you go to your groups. If you come to the 1045 service just before church, you go to your group. The Rose District are going to have church, and right after church, we're going to our group. Connection and growth. Connection and growth, revival. Connection, growth, revival. Say it with me. Connection, growth, revival. I love you. Thank you for the best year yet, and happy new year in advance. God bless you, everybody.